Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. Intensity! It is episode one, zero, zero. Holy shit, man. We actually got to the centenarian posts. I have no idea how we made it this far without me burning out already. Well, we had that big eight-month-long vacation. That was a forced vacation thanks to uh, my brother not following my advice. Thanks for sleeping on my couch. Except on the floor. And the floor. And the reclining chair. <laughs> and stuff. Anyway, uh, we've made it 100 episodes. I am, of course, Game Goblin, joined with... Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon. And... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And we didn't invite Moniker because he wasn't here at episode one. <laughs> Actually, no, it's... it's Still real-life aggro. But... C-19, real-life aggro shit, stuffs and things. So he couldn't make it this week. This is a travesty. This would have been a fun episode with him. No shit. I mean, we have had uh, quite a number of people behind the microphone with us. Uh, we used to have... Nedge. Nedge. We had Narciss. Uh, Thoric has come on for a few episodes. Uh, we had Russ and Friends. They came on. Of course, uh, our Jiggles. Very... Jiggles, yes. Jiggles, download more. They beg you. <laughs> I, I actually don't know what he's up to these days right now. Um, fuck, we've had a lot of people. And of course, the beginning of season two was awesome as fuck. Uh, where we sat down with the Hula Goons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Still one of our best episodes ever. Yeah, that uh, doesn't surprise me. Was it? And then we had the Fat Matt. Yeah, and we used to have Fat Matt here uh, on our podcast. And Jesus Christ, adjusting the audio levels. That boy's voice carries. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Um, as oh, some of and our... we've had the grown folks kid kid show. Uh, well, we, we've we've done cross with. We, we did a little bit of cross play with them. Uh, still cool guys uh, located on the other side of the mountains doing their own thing. Yeah. So yeah, and a shout out for the grown folks kids show. Check them out. They're awesome. Right. Which, of course, I still need to have a fucking second round with the Sarge. Yeah. Oh man, we were. Like, behind the microphone, I got him riled up. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I went totally Emperor Palpatine on him, like, just throwing shit against the fan, and he was just, like, rubbing it all over his face. You know, he took the bait. I trolled him on the microphone. <laughs> and I was just throwing shit in the air, and he was just letting it rain, man. I just, it was awesome. Uh, that and, would be a thing to see. Oh, it was great. Um, I'll show you the video sometime. Uh, they got a link on YouTube for it. Nice. Um, so... What happened with our show and all that stuff? Because we are a gaming podcast. We are going to get into the gaming stuff here real soon. I would also like to say that for anybody listening to episode 100, uh, that this podcast began because one day I sat down on the couch and I watched a bunch of videos on the tube and there was this gal talking about how games are sexist by nature. And I was like, God damn it, what the fuck is this? And then I dig a little deeper, and this thing called Gamergate had shown up. And I was like, God damn it, what's this? And I looked deeper into that, and I'm like, this is the end of modern gaming as we know it, and it's time for me to finally get off my ass and be pissed. 
So here we are. So here we are, four years later, and shit has gotten worse and worse and worse, and my anger levels have increased. I am about to go full Hulk mode at any given moment, except for the fact that I'm old and I'll throw my back out. <laughs> and I'll be like, Hulk, lay on ground. Oh. Hulk hurts. Hulk hurts. So what we've got going on here is, of course, things have gotten worse, so we are going to discuss... Of course, a little bit dipping in the Gamergate stuff and new territory. How we review games ourselves, how we review the game processes, uh, what we look into as far as game companies, both tabletop and video game, and make our decisions on what we purchase, what we uh, encourage other people to purchase, of course. And basically take it from there because, like any rational adult, we would like to hear more than one side of the story, and like any rational adult, we'd like to make an educated decision as to what we're going for rather than an emotional decision, except for the emotion of, is this game fun? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, this episode can kind of be, how do you vote with your wallet? Yeah, so let's just call it that. Voting with your wallet. Episode 100 of the Blunt Force Gamers podcast. I now turn the microphone over to my uh, number one pal who's been with me from the very beginning, Capri Sun. <laughs> I mean, Darth Blasphemous. So, voting with your wallet is something really important. It's something that I definitely you taught me there, Gob, about being picky about what you get. Because before, I would just buy magic cards left, right, and center. There's a city, a, a shitty set. A uh, city shit. <laughs> wow. Um, Cussing is allowed on the podcast. No need for censorship here. Uh, but uh, We've gotten if, over if that. If it was just a terrible print run, or if none of the cards really worked, I would buy. I bought so much of... Um, not Cons of Tarkir, not Dragons, but uh, Fate Reforged. And it was a terrible set, but I did it because there was one card I wanted. Now, that's when I was being rather ignorant with how voting with my wallet gave me a lot of influence over what I get. So you bought garbage and they made more garbage. And now I quit buying garbage and now it seems like they're in a panic for what they're going to do because they print stuff out two years in advance. And now with all this going on there will be no fall pre-release. So. Well, they kind of bring it on themselves and Wizards of the Coast and... I grew up in a family of artists. Everybody knows this. And I have an eye for art. I really like art in many different uh, aspects and disciplines. And I'm probably the last person you want walking into an art show because of this. You know, because I'm a jerk. I admit it. (laughs) And sometimes I see something that impresses me and I will fucking lavishly praise it. But those instances are rare. Uh, Like Echo, her work is fan-fucking-tastic. I love the shit out of her work, but most of the time I go into a convention and I look at the art, I'm like, who the fuck let the noobs through the door? This isn't art, this is doodling. Get back and, you know, practice some more for another ten years. It didn't try to impress me, okay? Please. Uh, and Wizards of the Coast recently, just for the crime of who she follows on social media, decided to shit can a very talented artist. And she had been with them for years and had done some phenomenal card work for them and they had a very good working relationship. But just based on the factor of who she follows on social media, not even the reason of why she follows these people, 
she gets shit canned, loses her job. That's bullshit. I am glad I had stopped throwing money at Wizards of the Coast long ago because I can't support a company that screws and fucks over their own artists. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, especially, like, this is something that people don't always understand about the art communities and gaming. They are pretty much married hand-in-hand. Hand. You can't have one without the other. No, no, I, like, every game book you buy... It would be a lot less of a game book if there was no art within the pages. Even the early uh, publications of TSR's books, it, you know, the art doesn't hold up to today's standards. It hasn't aged very well in many of the instances, but the art helps make the game. Yeah, it's, it's it breathes life into something that was only imagination, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, if I read the description of a beholder, I would be looking at it like, what in the fuck am I imagining? But seeing the art of one, like uh, Xanator's Guide to Everything is a really good example. But like, okay, that's a Beholder. If I, like, it doesn't quite match the description, but damn if that is a thing I don't want to face. Damn if it doesn't get the point across. Exactly. And usually, like, uh, as a GM, when I'm reading uh, the description of a monster as it comes walking through the door to assault the party... One of the first questions people ask me, even after reading the description, is, well, what does it look like? They actually want to see the images in the books to get a better visual image of what the fuck they're fighting. And the same goes for video games. When you're playing a video game, Cuphead is distinct because oh, yeah. of its art style. Meanwhile, Journey is distinct because of its art style. And Kinshi is distinct because of its art style. Saints Row is distinct because of its art style. Borderlands. Borderlands. Absolutely. The, the cel-shaded artwork uh, really stands out well for the premise of what that game is. Yeah. And for a game company to shit all over their artists, I can't support that. No, and, and like, no one ever should. Artists work hard. They put a lot of time and effort and, you know, experience and schooling into what they do. Some of this is home-taught. Others is, you know, college-bound. All the same, they've had to teach themselves how to do this. Absolutely. And absolutely. for, you know, that effort to be unrecognized... I agree. ...is fucking stupid. It is absolutely stupid. That's what the, the state of gaming has brought us these days. And now we're voting more with our wallets, more so than ever. Myself, uh, shit, when EA Games... <clears throat> Ooh, he's pulling out the burn on early. I, I'm trying to restrain myself. When EA Games publicly allowed one of their employees to use his Twitter, his Twitter, his twatter, whatever his, you call it, his chirper, whatever, when they allowed him to use it in a manner that denotes attacking the customer base based on their skin color. It doesn't matter that he was going after white people. It just went that he was going after people. Right. It, it, again, I'm apparently a racist because I'm colorblind, and it doesn't matter what color they put down as long as they're attacking color. It pisses me off. And so when he started going after the customer base and EA did shit all nothing about it, they lost me as a customer because that is not professional behavior. No, no, not in any stance of professional behavior. You know, and a lot of companies these days are attacking their customers, and I think more so now than ever, we as customers should be like, well, if you're going to attack people who give you money, 
they're not going to give you money. Stop giving them money. Like, you stop giving them money, and they'll they'll learn as they suffer. And yeah. that's basically, it's like, okay, well, you're building your own hell? Here's a shovel. Bye. Yeah. Don't shit in the bed you sleep in is an old adage for a reason. And right now, game companies like EA, Ubisoft, Bethesda, uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, shit. Even now, with uh, in recent weeks, another one that's got me lit up is uh, Games Workshop. They're all just taking a big steaming dump right on their pillow. <laughs> like it's funny when you say it that way, but it's really what they're doing, and it's it, it's not a good thing. You know, it's not good. It's not healthy for anyone involved. Nor it's for definitely that... not healthy for Darth Blasphemous over there. Yeah, did I wake you up? I've been fighting it again. It's another week of the uh, can't seem to sleep because insomnia other shit. Well, at least uh, it doesn't look like Southern California outside yet. Yeah, they're still down at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. One <laughs> well, of these days, we'll get them back by turning off the water. <laughs> Alright, so we've, you know, Goblin and I have been babbling a little bit. What's your take on, you know, let, why don't we bring up the topic of vote with your wallet? So a big thing with it is, especially with new products, you know, the first wave, a company doesn't really make their money. They make all their profit off of the second wave of print run or this, that, and the other. Um, with books especially. If you're going to show profit to a company when it comes to buying a game book, you want to buy it brand new, still in the cellophane from the LGS. Because they can report back and say, hey, so-and-so who's part of your local group, say the Pathfinder Society, or got a uh, fucking Wizards of the Coast ID code, purchased X. And you might want to send a few things over to him, like a survey randomly, or, you know, you notice the trends of, well, what else did he buy? Did he buy the EDH stuff? Did he buy packs, or did he buy a box? Did he buy a bundle, or did he buy collector's packs? Are the collector's packs selling? Are they priced too high? What do you think of the art? Is the print quality better? Because the quality got so bad that you could open cards out of a pack, they were already curling. That's and that's not even that Masters series that was in a little cardboard box. This was the actual sealed plastic baggie, and the cards were already coming up bent. That's horrid. Yeah. Like and, any, any card game, that's, that's horrid. And deciding to no longer support, they started taking their surveys a lot more seriously, it seemed, because they had to put a stop to a lot of things. The uh, Following the gate watch around, they had to put that to a stop because everyone was hating it, because that's all you got were the same cards printed over and over and over again. Didn't matter if it was a brand new set that you could get faster and hotter and you didn't have to wait for a stupid last minute little tiny set with nothing in it and that's just with magic and stuff but you move on to other things you go to video games i haven't bought a console or a there he goes yawning again dude do you need like coffee or what i need sleep you need sleep so yeah let's just bust through this podcast (laughs) and go tuck him in no, that's a terrifying thought. Um, <laughs> Rockabye Blasphemous in the treetop. You know I can guess you, right? <laughs> I know. 
I can also I mean, stab it, you. It would, uh, I'm sure you wouldn't have a problem breathing there with that uh, big old schnoz. Hey, I'm not hiding behind the post right now. <laughs> you were talking about so, video games. Get back to what you were talking about, I boy. I haven't bought a uh, console other than the Switch in a long time. The last console I bought was a PlayStation 3. Yeah, I got a 4, and I've used it, like, for three months, and then um, I'm not really excited about the 5. I mean, there are some really good games coming out, but... Yeah, it's just the level of excitement I have right now for a lot of new IPs coming out is really low, especially when you do get a new IP. You love the shit out of it. The characters pull you in. The story pulls you in. It's got great graphics, awesome gameplay mechanics. You're like, holy fuck, this game is awesome. And then they come out with a sequel and kill off one character you really like, turn the other one into a raving psycho bitch, and completely ignore all the lore that they build up in the first game. Eat a goddamn dick, Last of Us 2. I was yeah. going to say, that sounds horribly specific. Just, but just No, it's it's pretty common across the board. I mean, yeah. but that's the thing. I haven't bought any of those because I was getting incomplete games. Games you needed to do a day one mega patch on. Yeah. And that's when I decided I'm done with consoles. The Switch is a whole different animal because Japan is doing a lot more heavy quality control. That's and part of the reason why I've switched to a lot of independent games here in recent years, is at least when you buy an independent game and they're like, oh, we're in alpha stage point five, and we're still working on this game, this is the features we got, even if you throw them 20 bucks and the game doesn't get completed, you knew in advance you were buying an incomplete product that may or may not fucking turn out into an end result product that you would enjoy. You got some time out of it beforehand. Sure, great. The product wasn't completed, or they change it, or some shit. But you still got it in its early iteration, and you understood you were not buying the final complete product at that moment. Mm -hmm. But you were buying the product early enough that when the final did come out, you would get it. And then you get these AAA publishers doing exactly what Blasphemous was just talking about. They sell you a game, they're like, oh, this game is complete, ready to go off the shelves. You plug it in your system, it's got a day one DLC. That's bigger than the game itself on the disc. Yeah. And that's just part of the issues. You know, I I got the Switch. There was a little patch to install on it because it was a brand new system fresh out the box. I put in, uh, what was it? New Hope or New Horizons? No. I put in uh, fucking Brawl. Brawl had like a one gig update. And that was it. And I could play the game. And the game was complete. Everything's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things. I even went and downloaded, and I hate downloading digital copies of games because I prefer having the physical copy, but it was a hell of a sale. I downloaded Stick of Truth, a complete game made by Americans. Holy God, it was a fucking miracle. A complete game made by Americans. Well, that was definitely rules out Bethesda. That rules out. Oh, wait, no, that, those are European um, shit. Oh, shit, stick of truth. Who made that? I don't remember right now. I know it was the original crew from South Park. Yeah, they were the writers and everything. Mm -hmm. What do you want, new kid? <laughs> but, you know, that's just one of the things is it was so refreshing considering my previous experiences. Which is, and yeah, that's fair. That's why it's it's like with uh with gaming systems. Trying still trying out the uh, two E 
not digging it so far but um you know I'm, I'm giving it the old college try and if i don't like it i haven't bought any of the books i can send them a letter and be like hey i did not enjoy this comparatively to your other system it's crap but um it's just one of those things that you gotta know to to look at the quality of the product like Wizards of the Coast had a whole bunch of problem with 5e of misprinted books. Well, oh yeah, goddamn! I've seen so many photos where like the cover is on upside down, but all the pages are inside, right side up, or the print quality be like all the pages are off by like a centimeter, and it's at an angle, which of course screws with my OCD hardcore because there's a line there that should be straight, but it's not. And, or you know, you know the, the miscuts. Quality. The miscuts. Where the whole book is like. Got a little corner because the whole sheet slipped. Yeah, I, it's really strange too how they let the shit slide through so randomly now. It's just like they, they have no give a fuck. They're like, oh, people will buy it anyway because we got brand recognition. And when I look through your copy, uh, fifth edition, for the first time after you guys got done uh, playtesting it and stuff, yeah, you guys were having fun and all, and you were having a good time. And then I opened it up and do ride my bicycle back the artwork's just plain sucks um i mean the artists in their own right i don't fault them because you work with what the corporation tells you to do and being a corporate artist is a soulless journey that is horrible and terrible and disgusting and pain inducing <clears throat> and just ruins every aspect of your waking hours trying to make a picture to be published in a goddamn book and then be told do it again for the 20th fucking time <clears throat> right. And Not that I've ever had any experience uh, <laughs> dealing with such things, but I do have so a little bit of understanding that it, it, it's not exactly the easiest process. So I don't exactly fault the artist for the book itself, but the choices that were made before the art went to print. And there's only like a couple of pictures in there. I'm like, this is good quality. Whereas Paizo with Pathfinder, when they were trying to launch that as their flagship, holy fuck, the art was fantastic more, more times than not. Uh, even Palladium Games, I give them a lot of shit, but he's actually attracted some really good goddamn artists to his uh, label, and they have a good working relationship for over 20 years, so you know he's supporting his artists. They're putting out phenomenal work. I like that. This, I can work with this. And video games, again, same thing. As you get like these guys who just put together a hodgepodge, and just because, like Wizards of the Coast, they have brand recognition, they, they think they can do whatever they want. You know, and the same, to same token goes, you know, artists working in corporate jobs are not working to the best of their ability. They're their best artistic ability because they have to control the focus of whatever they're looking at. Uh, a good example from an article I saw a while ago was about Family Guy, right? Yeah. All the background characters are very cut, cut and paste, cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter, all over the place. Because if you draw attention away from, you know, the central characters, Peter Griffin in this case, people are going to complain that they missed a joke. Yeah. And so, you know, corporate artistry is not only a soul-crushing, horrible experience in its own right, as Goblin has brought up. It can be. It's also kind of squishing artist talent. It's kind of in its own weird way. It's a dichotomy. And we all know dichotomy. Almost every dichotomy is a false dichotomy. But they have this weird thing. 
in a corporation where they find an artist, they really like their art, they bring them in, and then go through the process of sterilizing what makes that art stand out. And then they corporatize it so you might you get like basically a mass-produced uh, image that should just might as well have a barcode on it. it. It's really strange. And like this is you know this is part of the thing like how a company treats their artists, whether they're allowed that artistic freedom to really sort of thrive in, right? I know some companies are certainly like, hey, what if I do this with this thing? Dude, that's awesome. Do it. And if you can get that kind of thing as an artist, do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's your that's your money maker. Um, but if I same... if I had the money, dude, I would definitely hire more artists to help me out with certain projects, and I would give them a lot of leeway and gratis as far as what they can get away with because part of what art is, it's, it, it's the artist themselves putting their emotions into a picture. And to scrub that away ever so slowly, is it's kind of like attacking the person themselves. It's it's not a cool thing to do. And, you know, I can, I can say this sort of thing on the same token, because the furry community is art centered around a theme in its own right. So... Yeah, Furry Force 5? Some of them. Sure. Okay. Degenerate as fuck, but whatever. Moving Dude. along. Subhumans. We'll it's not just, get into that. But the point it's just is, bestiality without the confidence to carry through. The point is that artists can, you know, like, the furry community is very welcoming of artists because they understand that art is worth that sort of thing. So, like, you know, a solid commission could run a couple of hundreds of dollars for a reasonable... Oh, get this. He's... All right, all right, all right, all right. Right <laughs> off topic here. We got Blasphemous over here threatening me with an electric fly swatter while I wake him up to prevent him from snoring into the microphone. Again. Again. Because I can't help it that it is a comfortable temperature in here and I'm trying to not do a lot of... Oh, there he goes. He's making noise now. And now he's shuffling around. <laughs> now he's cutting himself across the chest with a big-ass knife. He's got, like, runic symbols in his chest and everything. Holy fuck. Dude, no, no, no. You misspelled that one. No, you can't read this. This is people speak. <laughs> fuck, it's in Spanish. <laughs> I'll never find the lost treasure of Don Gordian Cortez. <laughs> Speaking of treasure, though, we've been, you know, sort of bantering around the topic of artists, but we've really not yeah. been back on how do we tell if a thing is quality. We've sort of alluded to it that... Well, I definitely touch to it and you look at the print quality. You look at the product. Is it whole? Is it viable? Is it usable? Now, a lot of that also depends on when you buy the thing, how many times have you had to return it and get a new one? Did you actually enjoy it? Did you get your full entertainment buck for it are you one of those people who buys a game and loves to do the speed run on your first try are you the kind of person who wants to pick up skyrim and play it for 15 fucking years uh no <laughs> i played it for five then i was like moving along are you someone who wants to get into a rp computer game and run it and build special uh, computers just to run it after technology has left that game far far behind. Boy, that sounds pointed too. Hey, there are people out there who are that big in the retro and you know what? More power to them. 
Mm. I totally support retro gaming, especially in the face of what gaming has become now that it's mainstream. It has become a condensed, congealed mass of identity politics. Everything that made gaming fun, the adventure, the camaraderie, the challenge, it's all being scrubbed away so my character can have more comfortable pronouns. <clears throat> and I, uh, I hate it. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I fucking hate it. It's like, it, it's like watching your kid die in front of you. It's the sort of thing that, that haunts you to the end of days, watching that slow erosion. I, I wouldn't put it that far. I mean, yeah, I did choke out my nephew a few times, and he was supposed to be my little brother. I didn't give a fuck about him. I mean, he came close to death a few times, but I wouldn't put it that far, and it, I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I was a mean kid. I, <laughs> I, I think more or less, I, I understand where you're coming from, you know, saying that, you know, it's like watching your kid die in front of you. It's like watching something you love die in front of you. It's, you know, like your favorite fandom or something you grew up with, something you have nostalgia for. Uh, I understand where you're coming from, uh, where you're coming from on this. And for me, and I know Darth Blasphemous over here will argue with me relentlessly over it once I take that fly swat. Oh, he's awake again. God damn it. <laughs> and um, no shocking him back awake for the moment. No. Um, like for me, like when I was a, a, a young little scrubbling, I would watch Siskel and Ebert. I don't know why, because that's not really a show kids would watch i guess but every time they gave something two thumbs down i was begging to go see it in theaters they gave it two thumbs up and i'm like eh, fuck this and i think part of it too is because when they gave a movie thumbs down the more it got panned by critics the more i knew i would enjoy it because i would go in turn my brain off to a certain degree just cast aside you know any semblance of uh, doubt worry just yeah, you know, I would leave reality at the door a little bit and sit down in the, the fucking uh, the ride, get my soda and my fucking popcorn, and wait for the attendant to press the red big button to start the movie and just enjoy the fucking ride for what it is. You know, if, if it's supposed to be a space romp with a guy with a laser sword, mm -hmm. it did not get great reviews at first. Turned out to be a cultural phenomenon. I thunk? loved the shit out of that movie. Then another one came along with a killer fucking cyborg. And critics were like, meh, it's just a killer cyborg running around shooting at somebody. And this movie has spawned one of the most iconic female characters and one of the most com uh, iconic villains ever to exist in modern cinema. And they're still trying to replicate the magic of that movie and failing horribly at it. And so, you know, sometimes a movie comes along and I'm just like, you know what? Buckle up. This is going to be a fun ride. Myself, personally, when I review a uh, game, or a movie, or a role-playing book, the first thing I look at is what are the people saying? What are the people on ground level with their hands on the materials, the guys in the theaters, the guys with the books, the guys with the video game controller in hand, what do they have to say? Because I'm not listening to the critics. They can be bought. They can be bought in R with some great frequency. Uh, like I said, man, like when we started at episode one, I was inspired to start a podcast because of Gamergate, which also included not just sexism, but the fact that there were journalists out there willing to take bribes to give good reviews. And with Last of Us 2, it's still taking place. Mm -hmm. Votes are still being bought by companies. 
and you know this this goes a fair bit farther back than just Gamergate because I remember sitting you know reading my dad's copy of PC Gamer right because I was on the can why not it's right there yeah and you know even you know nigh on 20 years ago it's probably like 18 19 years I was recognizing you know these reviews they're sketchy this shit doesn't line up with my own experience. Like, the game reviews that I saw in magazines 18 years ago. God, I sound old, though. I really don't feel it. Ah! <laughs> welcome to my world, Bindejo. <laughs> but, like, even then, I knew that game reviews, especially in, you know, a print medium like that, were bought. I knew it. So it's not a new thing. It is, however, it was, however, new when Gamergate happened of how widespread it was. Yeah, it did kind of explode. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. You know, there are, uh, and, you know, there are games out there like uh, Legacy of Kane for the original PlayStation did not get some of the best reviews, and the gameplay was kind of janky. The graphics were a bit off at times, but this is PS1 era, so you can't expect the best. Uh, especially when the N64 was actually really the king of graphics in its own department, even though they looked really plastic. That's my opinion, but whatever. And the thing is, though, is like Final Fantasy VII also didn't get exactly the best reviews. It got some good reviews here and there, but players, holy shit, like, they'd be sitting around playing it, and there was like this inside secret. And I was not in on the secret. Like, they were talking, you know, I, was, I wasn't big on JRPGs at the time. And I'm watching a couple guys play, and, like, one of them is like, hey, did you see her die? And the other dude just, like, starts, like, one of the most badass motherfuckers I've ever known, right? This dude would, like, punch people while walking down the street for no fucking reason because he just wanted to hit somebody. No shits given kind of dude. And he's sitting there, and he takes a drink off of his fucking alcohol. I think he was drinking, like, whiskey at the time, or rum. I can't remember. It was dark, and he wanted to get drunk. And he takes a swig, you know, and he puts his hand back on the control, and he's like, it's the hardest moment in gaming I've ever had to go through. I'm like, what the fuck could be so hard? This is, it's a video game. You don't get attached to characters. You run around and murder shit. Then I played Final Fantasy VII, and I understood why there was such a phenomenal following. I'm like, you fucking bastard. So I, I went back and I kicked him in the shin. I was like, you're a bastard. Made me play that game. <laughs> uh, so the thing is, that's me personally. I listen to what the users have to say. And usually when there's like an inside joke going on about a video game or a movie or something, it makes me more curious. And that does a lot more to sell the movie to me than a reviewer telling me that the lighting was great or the cinematography was spot on. Or the writing was cheeky. Or, God forbid, anything written about the new Star Wars trilogy, where they basically did everything but whip Ray's cock out and just take a swarmy mouthful of Ray gravy in the mouth. <laughs> Compliments of Kathleen Kennedy. Because all three of those movies were terabad. I, I'm not even comparing them to the original trilogy. Or the prequel trilogy, just on their own. They're terabat. They are vapid, thin, horrible shells of movies where the writing is about on par as Clifford the Dog or Curious George. It, Aim for young. 
They are aimed for young people with a lot of stupid humor injected into it where humor doesn't need to be placed. The storylines are super thin. I, like when I went in and I watched the movies, I was watching them about five to ten minutes in advance. The scene would be playing out in front of me and my brain is automatically predicting what will be happening in ten minutes. And it's working. And, yeah, and it was working, which was just not even the disturbing part, really. I mean, I'm just like, oh, shit, well, this character's probably going to do this within the next ten minutes, and boom, it happens. Uh, again, this is boats being bought by big companies in entertainment, and it is a blight on our media. It is a blight on our computers. It is a blight on our consoles. And going back to the theme of today's episode of voting with the wallet, these are companies I can no longer in good faith support. Especially having been behind the counter, and you know Sparta, mm-hmm. and Blasphemous knows Sparta. Sparta is the biggest fucking Warhammer nerd ever. This guy lives and breathes and craps for the Emperor. You know, straight up, he is Space Marine number one, you know, like gay for him. Yep. This guy would just bend over and spread both cheeks open and be like, for the Emperor. He is the biggest fanboy of the Marines. And you know what? That, that's his deal. And it's, it's Sparta. He's awesome. And you know what? He He's allowed to have his own passions and shit. I don't fucking care. He's having fun. I now feel a sense of regret and disdain for helping sell Games Workshop materials to Sparta because Sparta falls within the category of the people that they are attacking. Yep. Sparta is a great guy. No doubt about it. And I, I would... If it came down to tax and I had to stand beside him in a confrontation, I totally fucking would. And now Games Workshop is like basically attacking their customers. Sparta falls within the line of people that they're calling names. Half of my customers are falling in the lines of what these game companies are attacking. Even Blasphemous over here with his um, sombrero and mm-hmm. poncho and drinking whatever that is with the worm in it falls within the category of what some of these game companies are attacking. And I now feel a sense of disdain because I used to push their products on the customers. And now, in good faith, I would not be able to do that as a game store clerk. Or even buy it yourself. And, like, that's a lot of what you've been sort of doing is, like, when you were a game store clerk, what you would do is you would give an honest from-the-ground review of anything that you sold, functionally. That was at least my experience with you from the customer side. And that was what, that helped me a lot, like, through, you know, as well as, you know, sort of being like, hey, I'm kind of new to DMing. Help a brother out. Well, yeah, it's, it's part of my duties as being the guy behind the counter and having an investment in the store I'm working in to help make the store succeed. And then, and for me to help make the store succeed, I have to be honest with my customers. And if people are saying that game X is terrible and nobody wants to fucking buy it, why should I try to sell you that game, right? I mean, the only reason you should is, like, I played it. It was pretty fun. I can see why they're saying this, but I don't agree with them. I mean... Play it for yourself, see. Yeah, I'd say play it for yourself, you know, like, here's a cheap copy, you know, the introductory book or whatever, you know, so you don't get the full investment effect unless you want to come back for more. You know, I basically throw a worm on a hook. And that that was my job, right, for five years, was to be honest with my customers to help my situation grow 
and make sure everybody was having a good time in the interim. And it was actually a very phenomenal job to have in retrospect because I did build that camaraderie between me as the guy behind the counter and my customers. You know, a lot of my customers were not just customers, but you know, they were buddies. They were buddies. They were familiar faces who wanted to have a good time. I wanted them to have a good time. Sure, I want to help my business grow, but at the same time, I do not want to help my business grow at the expense of my customers' trust. Right, and that's that's the thing that set you apart. It's why I kept going. It's why I kept trekking the long distance at the time. Trekking. I, I yeah. did not live close to no, where you, you guys were. Yeah, none of you guys did. And then... You know that we sort of did our thing and you know i as a customer tried to be you know okay the common rule of courtesy if you're using a shop for your D session everybody buys something from the shop yeah throw a little so, money at the shop so it's worth their fucking time right i i tried to stay by that and i really haven't gone back there because i originally made a promise with myself that i wouldn't walk in there without spending money yeah. Even if it was just a little bit. And that was mostly because of you, Goblin. Well, thank you very much. You earned that. I, I tried to the be the guy. The other one did not so much. Yeah, well, I, I tried to be the guy who was on the level with my customers, no matter who the fuck they were. Um, I, you know, and, and yeah, there, there are some things I could say, but I'm not going to do it while we're being recorded. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of game companies have seemed to forgotten about this, especially the big ones who have gotten a big head and a big ego. And the big, of course, you know, the big buying power that says, hey, this great, this game is great. Yeah, the right, big buying power. Right, right, right. Until you say yes. Yeah, the influencing power. And yeah, it's just like, right now, if I was still in the shop itself, I would be debating so strongly about pulling certain products off of the shelf and weighing that option against can I still pay rent next month or how can I make a move away from these products? Because if Games Workshop is going to attack their customers, if Wizards of the Coast is going to attack customers, there are plenty of other fucking competitors out there who would love a chance to get a new following or start a following. There's plenty of companies... Take like, a bite of the pie. There's, take a bite there's a of the lot pie. of pie there. Um, the Spoils is actually a card game that I really love the fuck out of. I got a, a copy from some of the guys at one of our events... And they gave me the, the, the cool black box copy, not the, you know, we're just going to give you a copy and kick you out the fucking door one. And I was sold on the game. And, of course, you know, the best way to sell a game to your customers is actually like the fucking thing. Yep. And some of the guys that I played the card game with in the shop, they loved the shit out of the game even more than Magic. And, of course, the guy who held the majority investment in the store would not buy spoils. But right now, if I was still working in a shop and I was you know, the main speaker behind the counter, I would be like, magic is out the door, guys. We are going to invest in other games from smaller independent companies who give a shit if you like their product. Right. You know, it, we're going to put a couple of boxes up on the shelf. I'm going to promo the shit out of this stuff, so I'm going to reduce the prices, eat the loss here behind the counter. You guys tell me which game that this store should support more in the future. Play the shit out of these packs at a reduced price. And whatever my customers say, if they want to play Spoils or Final Fantasy, the card game, I will support that card game now more than I ever would Magic. And I would phase Magic out of my shop because Magic has taken the stance of attacking their customers, whereas Spoils and Final Fantasy have not. Yeah, and it's, you know, this is sort of you know, bridging back vote with your wallet, right? We as the consumers have the end-all vote. 
They can make this product all they damn well want. They can make magic all they want. And if nobody buys it, they lose. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the, it's that simple. The, 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 the real difference, though, between voting with your wallet and cancel culture on its own, and I have a big problem with cancer culture, uh, cancer. <laughs> Might as well just call it cancer culture. Uh, <laughs> the real problem I have with them is they just want to shut everything down immediately with somebody they disagree with. If I don't like Angry Orchard beer and I accuse them of supporting some ism and just go on a fucking crusade against Angry Orchard, I'm trying to get them shut down right now. like, Or make them apologize, bend the knee or whatever. But if I just vote with my wallet... The company I'm sending a message to is actually more of a soft reboot. It's like saying, hey, I would like to buy your product, but you're supporting shit I don't like. So I'm giving you time as your money slowly drains away to give you a chance to course correct. Before you crash and burn. Yeah, before you crash and burn or your boat sinks, I'm giving you time. I'm giving you a second chance. That's a bit more forgiving to say I'm no longer supporting your product. But there are stipulations. If you can just... Bring your product back to more of what you've stood for in the older days, you know, the golden era of magic or the golden era of Dungeons and Dragons, and leave real life politics out of it. I'll be happy to support you. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the same sort of idea. Like I'm in that sort of band right now. Like that, I'm giving you a chance to course correct band with Chick Fil A. Because Chick-fil-A likes to lobby for things that would actively target me. You know, to die. This is a thing, it's way off in the world, but... So I I should feel guilty about ordering Chick-fil-A, huh? Because I don't. (laughs) You're also a crazy, you know, crazy mad person anyway. Yeah, I just want to see the... (laughs) Pretty fire, pretty fire! I just do want to kind of toss a lot of shiny stones into the forest. (laughs) But the same token is, like, if they don't shape their shit, they're never going to get my business. But if they shape their shit, I might go back there if they shape it enough. Yeah, it's it's the same reason why I don't shop in Michaels. They support stuff I personally find reprehensible. A lot of people do like Michaels. And, you know, maybe I might be in the wrong here. I admit it. I might be in the wrong. But at the same token, if I don't stand for the values that I espouse, then... I'm worse than wrong. I'm a hypocrite. Yep. You know, I would rather be able to sit back and ask myself, am I wrong, rather than say I'm right, but still be wrong at the same time. Uh, Hypocrisy is much worse than to commit in my book, but whatever. This isn't my opinion hour. Which leads up to... His opinion hour. One of the big things why we brought this up, because there has been a campaign against uh, Games Workshop. All right, GW. He was asleep for that, but yeah, go ahead. But (laughs) that's not the first time we've seen letter-writing campaigns of that style. There have been letter-writing campaigns about all kinds of shit, right? Yes, there have. Um, Like, one time I wrote my camp counselor a letter. We're not talking about how you confessed your love for Big Jim. It wasn't Big Jim. (laughs) You're aiming that the wrong way. Come on, I'm just saying. No, no, no. You were aiming at the tree. It was for the lunch lady. Oh, God. Her and her little smokies. I could eat those all day right off of her whiskers. But it's one of those things of... When was the last time you remember actually 
having a company like that where it got a lot of the gaming collective to write letters and have them actually look at this? Uh, well, I would say that the last time I've seen anything of this magnitude would either be with Bethesda or Eat Shit. I mean, Electronic Arts. And EA was with the fact that they fucked up the ending of Mass Effect 3. Hardcore. Uh, and Bethesda, well, shit. Just look at anything that Bethesda has done since 2019. And it has inspired outrage in people writing letters or sending in boxes full of fucking bobby pins yeah you know like a, a straight up letter writing campaign yeah i've seen some but not right now though the the, <sighs> the amount of people who have the free time and ability well not just the amount of people with the free time and ability but the amount of people who are just fucking tired of it mm-hmm. you know before it was like dude you're inconveniencing us and you're going routes we don't want you to go or you broke your promises or you're just doing stupid shit and now people are like, I'm just fucking tired of this shit. Here's a letter to tell you I'm tired of this shit. Just give me a good goddamn game. Thank quit, you. Quit dicking me around and give me what you what I'm supposed to be paying for. And yeah, like Games Workshop, dude, I would be pull. And of course, their products are expensive as shit. Anybody behind the counter will tell you that carrying Games Workshop is a bitch. We struggled with putting Games Workshop materials on our shelves. And right now, though... There are plenty of other third-party games out there who would love, absolutely adore. They would come to your house, Darth Blasphemous, and they would touch you in sensual ways just to get you to look at their miniatures, which are a higher quality than what Games Workshop puts out. Games Workshop is the big kid on the block. They are the monolith. You can't go anywhere without Games Workshop telling you what you should buy, which is, of course, Games Workshop. And if you don't buy Games Workshop, you're a nobody. But there's the other companies out there who make better quality products, or they have uh, smoother rule sets, or they have support in other ways that are way outside the box, because they got to differentiate themselves from the norm. If I were to bring these guys into a game shop and build a following, you can dollar to uh, kisses on the face bet. But they would come over and start just smooching the shit out of you if you can sell their product and build a following. They would love you for it. And when the customers say, I don't like the rule set you're pulling with this particular faction. This is a small company. They got a lot on the line. They will fucking listen. Yeah. They will make changes because you're paying their rent. All of their rent. All of their rent. By buying a box set, man, you've just made the day of one of the shipping clerks. Right? So... These small companies, they will fucking listen to customers. And I really do love supporting small cus- uh, small businesses, as you can tell. Um, and, but and there are a lot of them out there that are just begging for customers or begging to get noticed who are putting out quality miniatures and quality products. Uh, not the guys from Descent, but there was one game manufacturer out there. Um, they've got a decent following. And I was at a uh, one of the meet and greet conventions, and they showed me the miniatures, and I pick up the miniature, and I'm checking it out, and I'm like, holy fuck, this is high-quality shit. And it's what they put in the box. It's not a promo piece to get you interested. This is out of the fucking box that you buy. And I look at the guy behind the counter, and I'm like, wow, I don't really see miniatures with this amount of detail sold in a box set for a miniatures war game. And he's like, well, I just wanted to step it up a bit. I'm like, you carved this? And he's like, yeah, mind blown. Whoa, like, full splatter effect. Full splatter. You know, and from the artist who sh- who does the sculpting on the miniatures, you know, you could tell he's 
really in he's he's invested in the fact that I'm picking up his miniature and looking at it and appreciating it and appreciating it he's tickled pink so you can tell that if I was to put his products on my shelf and sell them and and them, help them get and help yeah, them grow yeah. and, and help them grow it, you know it, just get the brand name out there alone that would make this dude's day fuck that'd make his fucking month that would make his month right but games workshop oh I didn't buy that new set of tyranids they don't care somebody else will yeah, yeah. I, I refuse to buy their paints anymore. I'm gonna use what I got and then move on to a new paint. I would. Yeah. Like, in all aspects, you know. It and this is not just the physical stuff. The small game companies are hard at work too, and they have some of the most phenomenal games. Like, uh, Helltaker has you know taken off. It's a free game, free little rhythm puzzler, and it has taken off. They're not getting anything out of it but recognition, and they deserve it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that if this is a business maneuver they're pulling right now, and I'll say from my experience in business, this is the right move to make, is to generate buzz with an easily obtainable free product. Basically, they're giving you a piece of cheese on a stick in the supermarket right now with that game. So if they have plans for something that's to pay for later on, this is going to pay off hardcore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Goblin's point is small companies exist in all of the, all of the worlds. You know, they're not just... They're, they're music, they're uh, gaming, they're art, they're physical tabletop games in some fashion. Card games, cribbage boards, everything. There is a small company out there that's making it, and is making it good. And they I, just I, haven't had light shown on them. Oh, I, I guarantee you right now, there is somebody out there who has made a game just like Pathfinder or just like Dungeons and Dragons who is barely noticed and has a niche following and if their game was to be looked at at a larger audience and somebody out there is going to look at it someday and be like holy fuck this is better than the original how did we miss this how did we miss this I bet dollars to donuts somebody out there has made a better D&D game than D&D has and better uh, D&D ripoff than Paizo has I guarantee there's a better space game out there than a licensed version of Star Wars. Somebody out there with a small company hasn't gotten the rights to the bigger stuff, so they had to be creative as fuck, and they probably have a superior product. I guarantee it. I've seen it happen with miniatures games. I've seen it happen with board games. I've seen it happen with card games, where a superior product has wound up in my hands. I looked at it, I'm like, why is this not selling? And normally it's because the bigger company is muscling them out. So, vote with your wallet. If the big company is attacking the customers or if they're putting out a substandard product, tell them to fuck off and go look around and hunt and peck a little bit. Spend a little bit of time. Get out of your comfort zone. Find a third-party maker of games that you like or movies or other entertainment, and you're probably going to find something better than you thought you would expect. Yeah. Except for Darth Blasphemous. He's finding the back of his li- eyelids are very alluring right now. <laughs> well, and they're very seasonal free. insomnia doesn't help when you've got a bunch of other shit on. But yeah. Oh god. Welcome back. So the big thing I just want to try and get across between you smirking assholes um, is just that the idea is to look at local, to look at small. There, you can literally 3D print your own minis. And completely jump over any other printers. 
you can get together with some friends and create a Facebook group and get with someone who has a 3D printer or a, find a small company that prints minis or creates paints or does, you know, dungeon maps or find game groups where you're just trying out new systems. We have a buddy who literally just creates systems just to try. There are other people who do that and you just gotta reach out and find that and look local, look small. Let the big guys fucking fight it out, and when they realize they're not getting your money, they're going to come and ask why. Especially if you're signed up for their newsletter, especially if you're signed up for their fucking fan club, the review, whatever. They see you're missing long enough, they're either going to forget you, and then you're good to go with whatever you're doing, or they're going to show up at your door and be like, hey, what's up, buddy? Been a while. I noticed you haven't been buying our cookies. I'm yep. sorry, Girl Scout Mafia. <laughs> I had I had the campfire girls. They, they ran, you know, they, 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 they shook me down. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't fuck with the Girl Scouts. No. Nope. Dude, I, I've literally seen like campfire girls and Girl Scouts get into knife fights. No, but I wish I did. <laughs> It'd be fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I mean, shit, man. Can you see? Imagine that shit on the news. You know, a bunch of little blonde-haired girls with pigtails stabbing the shit out of each other over cookie domination rights. Like, <laughs> this is my block, bitch. <laughs> I sell the ho hos over here. You sell those swirly swirls over there. <laughs> All I'm thinking of is a scene out of the movie The Pacifier. It's like pre- a middling movie, anyway. But damn, dude, I, I have to remember movie. that, you know, in case I run a comedy game in the future where there's like a preteen little girl fucking uh, cartel, <laughs> and they're, they're like having turf wars with another preteen cartel. <laughs> it would be horrible and very amusing. But just the mental image, dude, of, like, Girl Scouts and uh, Campfire Girls, like, drawing borderlines as to where they can sell cookies or they'll get shanked, bitch. They're having a big sit-down at the fucking Jamboree. Yeah, they're having a sit-down at the Jamboree, like, plotting how they're gonna take over, you know, the... There's a city block over there with a lot of old people and they need that turf. They're (laughs) they're at the Jamboree talking about, you know, starting up a war. (laughs) How they're gonna make it, you know, happen without the popo getting involved. (laughs) More talented use of the popo. Which you is know, also a valid option. And of course, you know, everybody fears that one girl, you know, Brittany. Because Brittany's the big bitch on the block, right? When she comes back out of the slam, she's like 11 now and she's got tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> she's seen some shit. <laughs> she comes out with like a black teardrop with a little cookie next to it, tattoo on her eye. Yeah, you know, Brittany's seen some shit. <laughs> oh, if that ain't gonna. That's she's image. got a couple of merit badges for shivings. <laughs> tattooed mind not not oh yeah yeah, yeah. they get their, their merit badges tattooed on you know it's a merit badge for life <laughs> she's got a couple of new knot tying ones you know for bed sheets holy fuck don't fuck with britney <laughs> she'll be 12 next summer she's got one for blinding another bitch with that fucking powdered soap <laughs> oh god oh. that shit stings Oh. Uh, but yeah, we're getting off course because Girl Scouts. <laughs> we have to have some levity because God damn the market out there is just so weird. <laughs> so we have to have a little. We have to have our Girl Scout moment of like shivings and shit, you know. Because yeah, it's just it's really weird that since you know, and I was optimistic as shit back in 2000 when we started opening up Wizards of the Coast stores here locally. 
We had one down in the university district, which was just down the street from my house at the time. I'm like, holy fuck, my friends are talking about going down and applying to work at Watsy because what's better than gamers making games? Wow. Oh my god, that, that's awesome as fuck. Well, according to the modern thing, it's bean counters making games because that's all they're fucking doing. And they're that's... just trying to mass market move products. That, that's what it is. Like, uh, we went into... Secret Lair is a disaster. It's a bad idea. Oh, yeah. I got invited to a uh, fucking Wizards of the Coast workshop. Which, to my uh, uh, disdain, I accepted their invitation and went to their workshop because they wanted to unveil some of their new products and how we as these small store owners can help them unveil their new products to our customer base. Okay, whatever. And the whole thing, man, I've been a temporary employee many a times, and I've worked in some corporate towers here and there, and I knew exactly, like, the moment they opened up with the fucking whiteboard and, like, the free gifts for participating, I knew exactly how corporate this was going to get. And, like, for the entire meeting... And, like, the dudes who actually asked the real good power questions, you know, the heavy hitters, they got shut down by Watsy corporate sell-our-products guys. And I'm like, why are you shooting down the guys who are actually asking legit questions? And the whole thing was so fucking corporate. Like, but I, and I did. I went in with Optimism back in the year 1999, 2000. I would go frequent to Watsy store, and we had a games workshop store. And I was like, finally, you know, I'm not going to get my nose broken for talking about D&D in public. This is awesome. And here I am 20 years later, wishing that we never came out of the basement. God damn it. At least in the basement, we were united. Ay-yah, ex my pizza cabrones, eh? Well, there is the thing of... Puta del madre. <laughs> fix it in post. No. Um... You fix it in post. <laughs> there, there is a thing of about you know leaving the proverbial basement. Um, you know, then it wouldn't have reached out to a bunch of us, anyways. But it is the problem of nerd became very chic, and now they're trying to expand their markets to the groups that who are not into D and D right now, and all they're doing is diluting it and making so people who are paying and into D and D are leaving. They're doing the same thing Bethesda did with Fallout 4, and that's by reimagining their product and stupefaction, I mean streamlining, their product to appeal to the broadest market possible. D&D is doing the same thing. They're trying to streamline their product so they can sell it to as many people as possible rather than the people who do want to buy that shit, like rabid fucking monkeys. Mm-hmm. It's, and it, I'm talking about capuchin monkeys, by the way, because those things are fucking adorable. Right. Um, what this is is lowest common denominator mm-hmm. marketing, and it's asinine because, like Goblin said, it assumes that everyone is stupid in its own way. It's just sort of it, by existing in this state, it does like it. it cheapens the product. Yeah, the product has been like so diluted and cheapened in these last... Ever since... Well, 3.5 and 3.7 were actually like the last good additions. Uh, 4 was just an abomination. 5 is a miscarriage. I have no idea what they're planning for 6 and I don't really fucking care. Uh, 6 for all I... 
Six is probably going to be like the movie equivalent. They're just basically going to probably try to translate Conan the Barbarian into a role-playing game and make it for all ages, which anybody who knows Conan knows the second movie flopped because they made it for all ages. No, the the big the big problem is going to be that it's going to be written by fucking Michael Bay and fucking, um, what was the guy who screwed up Star Wars? Not Jar Jar, the other one. George Lucas? The other one. Um, Kathleen Kennedy. The one lower than her. Her her good friend. There's people lower than Kathleen Kennedy? I thought everybody was lower than Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> that that gives me like... The seven... director, Cancel Johnson. Oh, Ruin. Mm-hmm. Ruin Johnson. Yeah, they'll... Yeah, I, I could... Him and Michael Bay will get together to do the next one. I'm sorry, but at this point, I can actually see Wizards of the Coast reaching out to Ruin Johnson to write their next D&D book and doing something so stupid as that. You know when I realized they would do that? Mm. When I saw Rick and Morty D&D. Yeah, like... When it's D&D with a little TM at the end of a, some product they're leasing. When they started doing uh, My Little Pony Magic the Gathering cards. When they started doing Transformers Magic the Gathering Yeah, cards. Magic has lost its identity a long time ago. Uh, I got back into it with Zendikar and something was a bit off. I don't know when, maybe it was around Scourge or Masquerades, but they lost their identity a while ago, even before I got back into the product. It, it felt like a weird... I It felt like a knockoff to me. When I got back into Magic and started playing Zendikar, and I played a few editions after that, it had the same mechanics, it had the same trademark logo, it had the same card layout, it, it played virtually the same as the original as I remember it, but... Somehow it just felt like a cheap knockoff. Like, it, yeah, magic might have evolved. Maybe it's because I'm old or some shit, but something it's, seemed off. It's not just you. Like, I first learned to play in Ravnica. I played a lot of Orzhov. Um, and then, you know, as the years went by, it kind of waxed and waned. And I, the last set I really got big into was the Innistrad block. That was cool. They did a really interesting thing with it. But after that, it just sort of... Yeah, because after that, they returned to Ravnica. I don't know. Maybe Mirage was when they lost their identity and brought in phasing as a mechanic. But regardless of that, uh, I went back, I supported the company, and you know, even though I met with the guy sometimes, and I realized how corporate they got, which actually turned me off of uh, dealing with them on a professional level is because of how corporate they had gotten uh it's one of those things that when a company starts paying attention to numbers stats and figures more than their customers more than their customers and their product that i start seeing that it's the end of a company's reign over said product Uh, i worked for one company did the exact same thing we had great numbers our customers that we worked for loved us the people we called up on the phone didn't give two shits they you know we didn't sound like automated robots when we called them up and then uh our leadership decided that they wanted to pay attention to stats they wanted to pay attention to percentages and numbers and by the time i got kicked out of the company because yes i got fired from there because i had given up so hardcore but part of that was is there was only two people left on the original crew other than myself everybody else on the original crew of 15 people had either quit or been fired. I was like in the last percentages of people who were left from the original crew. And yeah, they weren't 
pulling the same profit they had before. So when I see Wizards do this shit, when I see uh, Watsy pull this shit, uh, fucking Games Workshop, or these other companies, or I don't know if Chaosium has yet, they have yet to say anything. Uh, Vampire has, and they've become a running joke. You know, especially with some of the shit they've been uh, saying about their customers. They're like, oh, this game book isn't for Nazis. Um, I don't know about you, Darth Blasmus. I don't know about you, Kazrakan. But that military regime, that, that political faction, had been defeated in the 1940s in a war. So here we are in the 20s of the next century... So 80 years. 80 years. And they're like, this book isn't for Nazis. And I'm like, that's great because you know what? Nobody at Auschwitz is going to play it because that place had a 100% failure rate for retaining employees. Nobody's there to buy your books. Now, as far as normal people, everyday Americans, I'm sure they'll want to buy your book, maybe, possibly. But these companies running out and accused... And the, the fun part, too, is they, the wizard... Not wizards. Uh, White Wolf... When they're saying that their book isn't for Nazis, who are they describing at that moment? Because that's a pretty blanket statement. It, it, it not only is it a blanket statement; it's a you know it's a statement that provides zero context. There's no way you're exactly like you're saying. It's, who is a Nazi then? Yeah, who? And at the moment, it's whoever they decide it is. Apparently so, because. In our modern era, there have been people of color who have identified as that being their political ideology. So that, so now this is, brings us into that weird gray muddy zone. That the gray muddy zone because now you got a POC, a person of color, but that's the ideology they subscribe to. So can they buy the book based on the fact that they're not white or? Can they not buy it based on the fact that they've subscribed to a political ideology that has been scrubbed? Well, which is it? Yeah, I, these game come and, and like, you know, it is. It is definitely a blanket statement. Like, this book is not for this. How many people do you meet on an average day just walking on the street is wearing a red armband or identifying? Well, they probably have a hammer and sickle on. We don't Some of them. Not all of them are going to display it. In the same way. Yeah, I, 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 I know where he's going with this on that. Yeah, so. because guess, guess uh, what one of the very, very public tactics that we learned after the uh, fall of that uh, wall that split Germany. Call someone something horrible and horrendous yep. and then let it be said enough and loud enough. And they say it becomes true. Yeah, well, you know, also as KMFDM said in one of the better albums... We used to hate people. Now we make fun of them. It's more effective that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just... Game companies right now attacking their customers, so we are getting probably up in the triple digits by now, are we not? Uh, we're at about the 110. About the 110. Okay, so I'm just going to throw out my closing thoughts here because uh, I've been doing a lot of talking this episode. You've been doing a little bit of napping over there. That's cool. And it's like when we used to game. Yeah, just like <laughs> when we used to game. And, Boy, and you've been back. over there, you know, touching my toes in a seductive manner. And that's cool. So my final thoughts here is I'm going to just run the bicycle back about 20 minutes and say there are small companies out there who love to have customers who will listen to their customers because right now the more... Having a small following is their life. 
and they would love nothing more than to have that following grow, just like a podcast would like to have a following grow, or a news channel would like to have a following grow, or a writer would like to have a following grow. Everybody who produces something wants to have a following, and they want to see it grow. They want to nurture it and cultivate it. And right now, my final thoughts are, is if you are disenfranchised with the big companies and what they stand up for and who they're supporting or throwing money towards uh, for political purposes or moral purposes or ethical purposes or religious purposes, whatever, if you don't agree with it, vote with your money. Because right now, uh, as we get the uh, pandemonium pandemic thing going, Money's becoming scarce, and these companies might have, well, except for Jeff Bezos, some of them might have to start tightening their belt loops a little bit and, you know, go a few nights without food. But the small companies are getting hit harder. And the small companies right now who do give a shit about what their customers say or what their customers want will be a lot more receptive if somebody says, well, don't go ahead, you know, leave races in your game material because it makes your game material raise, you know, the species that are listed here different from one another because you're doing an alien setting aliens should be from different planets and be different from each other it makes sense keep that in there please they get enough customers saying this we're buying their product they will fucking listen yeah and it's it's you know to use your analogy a little bit the corporate fat cats they can survive a little bit but the ki- the the skinny little lean kids scraping by you know just you know stealing crumbs to survive Without those crumbs, he does not survive. And that's basically what's happening with the vote with your money. Is we are providing those crumbs. It is our responsibility as consumers to support products that we like. And not support products that we don't like. For whatever reason. I really feel like a chick fil right now. Blasphemous, any closing thoughts? Um... <laughs> I know, you're going to hit me later. Oh, yes. So, the biggest thing I can say is try to workshop your gaming needs with your playgroups, with people you know, people you trust. Maybe sit down with your friends and try your hand at creating your own, or try an open source material. There's online resources that cost you nothing unless you want to donate to them and buy the actual products. And I think you guys and gals and whatever the fuck you are can benefit from expanding beyond the name brand. You don't always need Oreos. Sometimes you just need chocolate sandwich cookie. And sometimes chocolate sandwich cookie is better than Oreo. Who knows? No, we're not talking crazy here. (laughs) <laughs> Just, you know what? I'm going back to my crypt now. I'll see everybody back at episode 101. Kazakhan, back to this, guys. Blasphemous out. Communism and socialism don't work.